Again, our sermon scripture will come from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Hear ye the word of the Lord. The wife of a man in the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated. I want to spend a little time talking about the mother in a miracle. I won't be before you long. I know people have uh, brunch plans and everything given the day, uh, yours truly included. And so when I say I won't be before you long, I mean it. Uh, but I do want to talk just for a little bit about the mother in the miracle. Here you have someone in the text who has been working for the Lord. Working hard. Uh, some translations say that this widow was the, the, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. And so when they mean by sons of the prophets is uh, there were people, the major prophet at that time, whether it was Samuel or Elijah or in this case Elisha, trained up the rest of the prophets. It was almost like they were going to seminary. These people had made the decision that they wanted to live for the Lord. They wanted to teach God's word and tell the people what God had said. And so they had to go through this time. And then the widow experienced crisis. Let the church say crisis. Crisis. Uh, crisis is the turning point for better or worse. It's a attack of pain, distress, or disordered function. It's an emotionally significant event or radical change of status in a person's life. It's a decisive moment. Mm -hmm. It's an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which decisive change is impending, especially with one that has a highly undesirable outcome. Okay. It's a situation where it's a critical phase. 
it's a it's a situation where the uh, uh, the thing has reached a critical phase in the environment. This widow has experienced crisis. It's bad enough to have someone you love pass away. It's bad enough even in 2016 to think about how am I going to take care of my children. But it's even worse during this time because, see, this happened about 900 years before Jesus even came on the scene. Mm -hmm. Women weren't necessarily allowed to work except in a few areas. So if you were a widow and you didn't have any family to take care of you, you could be homeless and destitute. That is why in James they said that pure and undefiled religion is this, Mm -hmm. to go out in the world and to take care of the widows and orphans. They weren't able to get jobs at that time. They weren't able to go back to school and go get an education and get another job. They were out of luck. Hmm. Here, this widow was not able to do what they were able to do. And not only that, but her husband died in debt. And when her husband died in debt... The Mosaic laws, if you look at in in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Nehemiah and Jeremiah and Amos, all over the Old Testament, it clearly said, if a man dies owing you money, you can go grab the children and put them into slavery until they worked off the debt. And while I'm there, I'm going to put a little pen in that. You know, it's interesting. I hear people talk about slavery and, uh, and Christianity. And talking about how most of us black people are Christians because of slavery. Now, I ain't going to get into all the deep stuff about the fact that there was actually temples built to worshiping, uh, uh, temples built like Solomon's temple in Africa long before slavery existed. But the thing is that I will talk about is people use the scripture to justify slavery. Which is one of the reasons I kind of like the United Methodist Church, because even in the 1700s, they were out there speaking against slavery. They were out there teaching people how to read and write. That's where Sunday school came from. It wasn't to go deeper into the Bible at that time. It was in order to educate people. But when we talk about slavery in the Bible, they're not talking about the slavery that was practiced here in the Deep South. This kind of slavery that was in the Bible was to work off a debt. So at most, you would have been only enslaved for six years. The seventh year, they would have had to have let you go. But even still, in this crisis, I don't know about you, but I couldn't go seven years without being able to pay a bill. Life would be rough for me, and so I imagine that life would have been rough for the widow. Because you take the sons away, you take away the only people that would have been obligated to take care of her. The only people that in the community that would have loved her. Because she took care of them like a mother should. Mm-hmm. And so it's a crisis situation. And there was very little that could be done about it because this is what the law said. And not only the biblical law, but the law at that time, even the people in, the, in those areas that were practicing Babylon worship, they would have been okay with that. So there would have been no kind of recourse for this crisis. Mm-hmm. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from and the only people that are capable of getting you another meal are on their way out the door. Mm. And there's nothing you can do about it. So she needed help. 
And I like this text. I like this text for many reasons. Number one, I like it because the widow doesn't have a name. And anytime I don't see a name in the Bible, I can imagine myself in there. I can imagine myself in there. And not only do I like that, because that anonymity in the text allows for inclusivity in my life, but I also like it because God uh, manages the mundane. Okay, okay. What do you mean by that, Pastor? That means that this is not God overturning a king. Mm -hmm. This is not God toppling an economy. God can do all those things. This is not God raining down fire from heaven. This is God helping out a single mother. All right. So God is a God that's big enough to set the world in motion and put the stars in the sky and have the moon and the sun and, and control all of that, but he can also look out for a mama. God manages the mundane. And so here we have this situation, this crisis, and God is going to intervene. The other reason I like about this is that she went to the man of God for help. This is a perfect opportunity to turn away from the church. All right. This church you've been working for, this church that her husband had been, been trying to do the work of God and sit up in this class and learn from this prophet, and now he's dead and we have nothing to show for it. This is a perfect opportunity to walk away from the church. This is a perfect opportunity to say, I don't need this. I'm done. I'm out. You wasn't talking about nothing? No way. It's a perfect opportunity, but she didn't turn that way. I'm learning, especially in learning about how the body works and how the body grows, that, the, that you grow when you hit resistance. If everything is easy for you, you don't go from the next level to the next level. You need resistance. You want your muscles to grow bigger, you need resistance. You have to push against weight. Even in nature, in order for a seed to grow, it's got to break out the shell. For an egg to turn into anything, it has to come out of its shell. You have to fight through the resistance. If it was easy, you wouldn't appreciate it. If it was given to you very easily without any kind of work, you would not appreciate it. There is strength in the struggle. And so here you have a perfect opportunity for her to turn her back on what's going on in the church. It's a perfect opportunity for her to tell the man of God to move on, kick rocks, see you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But instead of going away from the man of God, she went to the man of God for help. And that's what we ought to do when times get tough. We ought to go to the God. It's nice to have friends. It's nice to have family to support you, but friends and family will fade. Sometimes there are things that you go through that only God can provide the answer for. And so if you need the answer, why not go to the best expert available to help you? And so she went to the man of God for help. Back against the wall, not knowing where her next meal was coming from. About to lose her only support system. About to be out and destitute homeless, no place to stay. But she went to the man of God for help. 
that is a great example. And just like the widow can turn to God for help, that lets me know that I can turn to God for help. Even when I think I'm about to lose everything, I still have help. I can still look to the hills from which cometh my help. I can still know that my strength comes from the Lord and I can use that to keep pushing and keep pressing and keep on staying on the right path. And so she went to the man of God. She had a crisis and in that crisis, Elijah gave her a command. Let the church say command. To direct authoritatively. To exercise a dominating influence over, have command of, as to, to have that one's immediate disposal, to demand or receive what one is due, to overlook or to dominate from as if from a strategic position, to have military command over as a senior officer, to have or exercise direct authority, to give orders, to be a commander, to give instructions. Uh, Elijah instructs the widow to borrow as many containers as possible. Elijah instructs the widow. Elijah instructs the widow. Elijah instructs. As I read through the Bible, every time I've seen a miracle happen, the miracle has come with instructions. When God performs these miracles, there were instructions to follow first. We don't just sit on our hind parts and wait for the Lord to bless us. We don't just sit around and wait for all the, the showers of the blessings to come from heaven. There's instruction. You don't just sit around and say, Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Lord, do it for me right now. You don't do that. There are instructions to be followed. God is not a supernatural butler that we can just ring a bell, ding, and get everything that we want. There are things that we have to follow. And we don't just make all of our problems just go away at the push of a button. We grow from glory to glory and faith to faith. So we start off with milk, and then we need to go from milk to bread, and then we need to go from bread to meat. So we have to keep growing and doing things. But we don't grow unless we figure out how to manage that resistance. There are instructions to be followed. When Jesus wanted to turn water to wine, he told them to go get the water and fill up the jars. Uh, when he healed the blind man, he put mud over his eyes. Abraham was made a great nation where his descendants were to outnumber the stars in the sky and the dust on the ground. But before he was able to do all of that, God told him to get out of his home country. We have to follow some sort of instruction. And so Elisha told her, Elisha instructed her to go get some jars. So when God performs a miracle, there are instructions to follow. And when God performs a miracle, there are still management of resources. I don't know about everybody else's mama. But I know my mama can manage some resources. 
I remember when I got grown and finally got me a job and discovered that, you know, rent don't stop. Light bills don't stop. Did you know they want that car note every month? Did you know? I didn't know that until I got grown, that they want it every month. And here I was making a decent amount of money because I was a college graduate and still trying to make it work. And then I discovered later that my mom was not only... I'm str- I, at the, when I was young and out of college, I was struggling to manage it on my own. And that my mother was capable of managing on much less. And not only that, I never missed a meal. I always knew where I was staying at night. I didn't have to worry about some of the things that other people have to worry about. And nothing against those people who have to worry about it, but I have to learn to manage the resources. As any parent has to do. You look at that child when it comes and you have to figure out how to make sure it's fed and clothed and changed and is able to go to the doctor and get taken care of. It's amazing. And going from child to parent is humbling. Very humbling. But they had to manage the resources. And so, Elisha asked, what did she have? And all she had was a flask of oil. Barely enough to get by for the rest of the day. There's management of resources, and again, looking at the resources and looking at the miracles that happen, there are things that are asked of the people. So when Jesus fed the 5,000 men and women and children on top of that with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, he asked for the two fish and the five loaves of bread. For there was management of resources. See, God is able to help you out. God created the world. There is nothing that God cannot do. So these resources are not necessarily for God. God could have done whatever God wanted to without requiring anything from you. So I've come to learn that in these situations, when the man of God asks, what do you have? When the man of God said, give me your two fish and five loaves of bread. When the man of God said, give me this water. When the man of God said, what do you have? And all I have is a flask of oil. That ain't about God. That's about me. See, when you have some skin in the game, when you have put something in on yourself, you learn to appreciate it a lot more as opposed to just sitting around and waiting for it. I would argue that if Elijah just came out and backed up a truckload full of oil to the widow, she may not have appreciated the blessing. It might have been gone tomorrow and been back to the man of God saying, I need more oil. What happened? I would argue that that is why so many people who win the lottery end up filing for bankruptcy. They didn't work for it. Those kind of windfalls when you don't have no skin in the game and not just the lottery, not just talking about the lottery, but any kind of windfall. People get inheritances and blow it. People get all kind of resources and blow it, but there's no skin in the game. You don't appreciate it as much. 
I appreciate the cars that I worked for because I can tell you exactly how much it costs. I can still see the receipts in my head as I put the $50 away one by one to pay to Miss Edmonds to buy my first car. I still see that little uh, big gulp cup I had because I would tell you I had a big gulp cup from a from a grocery, not a grocery store, a gas station, and I'd fill it up, drink it or whatever, and I'd put the $50 in there, and then I'd take the $50 out, and I'd give it to my mama so she could pay Miss Edmonds, and then Miss Edmonds would give me a receipt, and I'd put that receipt back in there. I still see that in my head. What you work for, you appreciate. When you got that skin in the game, you appreciate it more. And so the oil was not, the, 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 that last flask of oil was not about Elisha, but it's about the widow. It's about us. Are we willing to give of our last to God? Are we willing to give the last of our time? Are we willing to give the last of our worship? Are we willing to give the last of our attention? Are we willing to give the last of our focus to God? And see what God can do with it as opposed to giving it to somebody else. The widow very well could have said, I need that. So I won't give it. But the widow got skin in the game. And when you put skin in the game, you are much more appreciative. You make more decisions. You make better decisions. There's a, I'm a student of Warren Buffett one of the most successful investors of this time, owns Berkshire Hathaway, and depending on what the stock market is doing at any given time, he's one of the richest men in the world. And he puts out a letter every year that explains why he invested in what stock and what for. He has a company that's worth almost $80 billion that he can spend that money off of, but then he takes a salary. And he and the vice chairman and everybody else on there that makes these decisions, yeah, they buy the, the, the companies with the Berkshire Hathaway money, but they also buy the company stock with their own personal money. And he says that every year we eat our own cooking. Far be it for me to tell somebody to go do something if I can't put no skin in the game myself. So the oil is not about them necessarily so much as it is about us. So she took this oil, and then she got more skin in the game because he told her to go out and ask all of the neighbors for their empty jars of oil. That's a stretch in the faith. Who goes out and asks for empty jars? Who goes out and tells other people they need something like that? That is a stretch of faith, but you grow through the resistance. And not only that, the one, another thing that I appreciate about this text is she did this, and this sets a wonderful example for her sons. Now, I say all the time that we have to be able to find Jesus for ourselves, and we can't ride in on our parents' coattail, but it's good to watch somebody before you worship and get a, build up a foundation, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Set an example for your children. 
I'm amazed every day at things that my children pick up from me that I, that I done or said or a mannerism or certain things that I pay attention to when I had no idea they were watching. Even as young as three and five, they pick up these things. So we're setting an example for our children. So when God performs a miracle, there are instructions to follow. And when God performs a miracle, there are resources that need to be managed. And when God performs a miracle, the, one of my favorite parts about the text is verse 4. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Everybody don't need to be in your business. When God is doing the work in you, you don't need to tell everybody. She very well could have done that on the front porch, out in the middle of the street for all to see, but no, the man of God told her to go inside and shut the door. I can appreciate that because I can imagine if other people were watching, they'd have been trying to count the jars. How many jars does she have? Oh, well, then she can give me this. Oh, oh I can borrow this. Or, oh, I deserve a cut because I gave an empty jar. Or they can watch the encounter jars and talk about it. Well, I see you was able to get up 15 jars, but why didn't you get 20? If you was really good about it, I've learned that people are very good at complaining. Those on the outside looking in are very good at complaining. Almost like they went to school for it. Almost like they, they minored in, in, in being petty. Go inside and shut the door. If God wants them to see what he's done for you, you won't have to tell them. They will know if it had not been for the Lord on your side. They'll be able to, your testimony will be written before you. You won't have to tell them. But in the meantime, follow these instructions. Manage the resources. Get some skin in the game and go behind closed doors and let God work with you. Go behind and shut the door. And because she did all that, she got all she needed and then some. She was looking for a way to pay off the debt. She not only got a way to pay off the debt, but got a business going and was able to support herself. Not only pay off the debt, but have money to live off from from then on out. The Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Managed resources keep everybody out your business. They always say that two can keep a secret if one is dead. <laughs> I find it funny too when people quote unquote keep a secret and they say I can keep a secret but it's the person I told that can't keep it. Well if the person if you told somebody then you really can't keep a secret. So it's best to avoid all that confusion and keep everything out. 
stay in our own lanes. Mind our own business. Sweep around our own front porch. I got enough going on in my own house where I don't need to be worried about what's going on in anybody else's. That's just the facts. And so here's this over in abundance because she followed the instructions. She managed the resources. She went into her own house and shut the door and kept everybody else out of her business. And then even after all of that, when she got exceedingly abundantly above all she could ever ask or imagine, there were still resources to be managed after the miracle. When God does something for you, you don't just stop there. You thank him, but you keep pressing. There's still oil left over that needs to be taken care of. There are things that still need to be done so you don't end up back in the same situation you were before. All right. That is all of the things that the mother in the miracle did. in order to have a move of God. Mm. And we can do the same. I'm sure there are things that God is talking to us about. I'm sure there are situations that we are involved in where we need a miracle. Where our back may be up against the wall and we don't know where the, the resources are going to come from. Well, whenever we need that, I say we can look to the widow. We can look to the mother and the miracle. We can find out what instructions are coming from God. And how do we find out what instructions are coming from God? It's right here. It's plenty of instructions to follow in here. It's got answers to all kind of questions. Life, death, infidelity, money, managing business, getting along with people, getting along with family members. Everything that you think is original in your life is not new. It's been here before, and I guarantee there's a situation in here on how to deal with it. Technology might be a little different, but something I've been learning is because I work in technology is even though the technology advances, the people do not. And people are still the same. And not only that, but our God is still the same. He's still the creator of the world. He's still the one that sits high and looks low. He still knows how many hairs are numbered on our head, and he still sent his son to die for our sins. That'll never change. Kings and kingdoms all pass away, but Jesus did not. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.